So the company I'm working right now is a startup, and uh, I got this job by using LinkedIn. The CTO approached me on LinkedIn, actually. They approached you. Hello, and welcome to the Scrimba podcast. On this weekly show, we speak with successful devs about their advice on learning to code and how to get your first junior developer job. I'm Alex, and today I'm joined by Matus Pessoa from Brazil. After learning front-end web development on Scrimba, Matus got his first junior web developer job in just over a year and is now working as a startup to revolutionize education in Brazil. He got the job because the CTO discovered him on LinkedIn and sent a personalized message. Of course, we'll be talking all about that to give you practical tips and we'll also be discussing the importance of demonstrating to a company why you're not only technically excellent, why you're not only a great culture fit or culture ad, but also the importance of demonstrating that you are a good mission fit. Matus has teachers in the family and so there was a great synergy between him and this tech startup to talk about. You're going to love this episode with Matus and we really appreciate you listening. Instead of interrupting the episode to ask you later, I wanted to quickly ask now that if you do enjoy this episode that you subscribe to the Scrimba podcast and share the insights from Matus with your friends on social media. The more listeners we get, the bigger and better guests we'll bring on in the future. So thank you in advance. You're helping everybody when you share the Scrimba podcast. With all that said, let's get into it. I wanted to kick things off by asking, did you always want to be a developer? Not at all. When I was really, really young, I wanted to be a paleontologist, you know, <laughs> work with dinosaurs. <laughs> Nice. And then I got really into arts, visual arts. But my family and friends and teachers weren't supportive at all. It's pretty hard to be an artist here in Brazil. And uh, I felt kind of lost. In 2018, I think, I got into statistics in the graduation. You know, and uh, I felt completely out of place there. You know, I just chose any course at all. I wasn't really thinking about it. All of a sudden, I was studying statistics and all of those numbers and the artificial intelligence. But I felt out of place. That was not my place at all. Suddenly, 2020 pandemic, and uh, I dropped to college to, you know, take time, take a deep breath and uh, start to really think what I wanted to do with my career. I thought of doing something related to design, so I stumbled with UI design, which is really close to front-end development. It didn't take much to find out about front-end development. And I kind of fell in love because it is a really good intersection of arts and technology. Yeah, front-end development is both an art and a science. Yes, and you have to be really, really creative to code. What kind of apps did you build to learn to code? I did many, many projects. I did this super cool app, which is basically a delivery app, but the backend part is not working at all. But I tried to find real life projects and Screamba really helped me with this part. Because when you're studying by yourself, it's kind of hard to, you know, follow a path, a structured path. I did also a super cool project with a museum here in Belo Horizonte. It is called 
I don't know how to <laughs> translate the name, but it is Sertão Mundo, which is Counterside, I think, Counterside World. And uh, I was working with the accessibility team to create a online exposition. So we made this huge map of Counterside of Brazil, and it had some installations in each city, and you had to open it and make your own way in this map. It is really, really great. Yeah, maybe we can find that and link it in the show notes. By the way, how did something like that come about? Did you go knocking on their door and say, hey, I want to help. What can I do with my coding skills? Or maybe you saw an ad or something? No, no, no. At that time, I was still in college in statistics and I got to undergraduate a scholarship to work with this museum. The museum is part of the college, you know, it's an extension. And I got a scholarship there to work with the accessibility team. I was starting to study front-end development and I thought I could help to do this website. What made you want to learn to code? It sounds like maybe you could have, if you wanted to go deeper down the design routes, for example. I'm not sure how you were getting along with uh, numbers and statistics and things like that, but I guess that was an option as well. What was your thought process around deciding to really commit to learning to code? Well, first of all, was a really rational decision. I thought of the open jobs that we have here in Brazil on regards to design and coding. And coding is much, I mean, there's no comparison with jobs open. And uh, I thought I could use the things I had learned in statistics, which was coding with Python. And I mean, I've studied the algorithms and logic, so I didn't want to throw it away and start all over. And... I thought front-end development was a really mix of design and coding. And coding for me is a job that really helps me to get my financial independence. You know, I want to travel. I want to get out of my parents' house. And I feel like coding is a really good area to do stuff like that, to emancipate, you know, to get to know the world, to work for companies abroad. So there's many, many options. And yes, I still can work with designers as well. I think it is a really massive area. I'm really attracted to possibilities. It's a fantastic and fascinating point because, I mean, obviously you want to start your career based on something you hopefully enjoy, but then you zoom out a bit and look at, okay, what are the opportunities? What does the career progression look like? Does this job even pay what I need to live the life I want to live? To be honest, I'm very, very interested to learn some more about the context around getting a job as a developer from Brazil. But I wanted to firstly ask how you learned to code and went about planning your studies. Was this something Something you had to do alongside your other studies, right? Learning to code, or could you stick at it full time? Yes, when I started studying, I could do this full time. It was 2018 when I was studying statistics, and uh, you have to know how to code to basically do statistics today with Python and R. So I had all my day to study, which was great. It can be a blessing and a curse in a way because, yes, you have all this free time, but then it's really up to you to figure out your schedule. So when you're learning to code, you have all this time, but you also need to be very careful about how you use it. I mean, did you have a plan and what kind of challenges did you face scheduling and planning your studies? Well, every time I have to plan studies and stuff like that, it's really chaotic. I have ADHD, so it's really a challenge to do this all by myself. I could stay all day long here and forget to eat, forget to go to the bathroom. You don't know where you are. You don't know what time is it. So I had to look for support of my friends, of my colleagues in the college. So study groups were really, really helpful for me. 
And uh, yeah, that was one of the things that really interested me to study with you guys, Scream, because you have an amazing community and I could always ask for help or help others. And yeah, that's the way I did it. I usually schedule with a group and we study together and I try not to stay overnight doing this because if I could, I would do it, but the next day I would be completely trash. I can imagine. And by the way, I noticed in Discord, you helping others, we, we really appreciate that. What courses did you follow just out of interest? Did you stick at the career path or maybe pick and choose your modules? I did the career path. Frontend was completely new to me and JavaScript and all of that and React. So I followed the career path. But when I got my job, they work with Angular and uh, TypeScript. So I found an introduction to TypeScript over there and I did this as well. This is a perfect segue, I think, because we really want to learn more about how you got a job. Can you maybe tell us a little bit about what it's like living and coding and getting a developer job from Brazil? So in Brazil, we've got a lot of jobs open. It's huge deficit of qualified professionals and uh, there's a lot of room to grow. So the process of my job application was something like this. In 2022, I think I applied for a QA job while I was still studying. I was actually studying in two boot camps, Scrimba and one here in Brazil, and uh, it was too much. So I couldn't really, you know, figure out my, my schedule my agenda and I thought I could do it all but yeah you can't so I decided to wait to finish one of them and uh, I applied to a junior front-end development job even though Scrimble teaches React I applied for an Angular job and uh, it didn't really matter much because what I learned was the fundamentals you know the framework is just a tool for doing front-end yeah a component's a component even if you declare it a different way right exactly Coming up on the Scrimba podcast, what do startups actually want from juniors? You know, there's a lot of trouble on a startup. In this economy, yeah, <laughs> that's about right. We will be right back with self-taught successful developer Matus in just a second. But first, Jan, the producer, and I wanted to look at what people are saying about the Scrimba podcast online and give some shout outs. Hello, and thank you for all the love you're giving to the Scrimba podcast. Another DK underscore from United States left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts saying, This podcast is so great for people like me that are in the process of becoming a front-end developer. I really like the topics and the stories people share on their journey to getting that first job. The enthusiasm and charisma of the host also contributes to the episodes. In essence, it's a motivating podcast that keeps me going. Thanks. Well, thank you for that great review. Let's see what people on Twitter are saying. Anna Nettles tweeted, Just found the Scrimba podcast this morning. As someone working hard to break into tech, this is the type of motivational advice, strategies, and resources I need. Hashtag the Scrimba podcast. And Nilesh Kokare says, I don't normally listen to podcasts out of habit, but I like listening to Scrimba's podcasts while running. They cheer me up and I learn a great deal. Thank you. This is awesome to hear. And if you're listening to this and you want to give us any type of feedback, you don't have to just phrase us. You can also tell us about something that you wish we had on the show, for example. You can tweet about it or you can leave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. Next week on the show, we'll have Lane Wagner, a senior backend developer and the founder of Boot.dev. Stay tuned until the end of the episode because I will play a clip. But for now, we're back to the interview with Mateus. 
it sounds like there's an abundance of jobs in, in Brazil then, which is super exciting. And, and you described there being growth opportunities within them. Does that mean if you're a good developer, it's quite easy to find a job in Brazil? Or was it still quite a challenge to find the right fit? It is still a challenge to find the right cultural fit. Yes, there's a lot of opportunities if you're a good developer. And uh, there's also another thing because a lot of abroad companies, you know, in the US, UK and anywhere else in the world are looking for Brazilian developers because it's cheaper for them. So companies here in Brazil have this challenge to find a good developer that is not being kind of <laughs> harassed by abroad companies. So tell us a little bit about this job you got as a front-end junior developer. So the company I'm working right now is a startup, educational startup. And uh, I got this job by using LinkedIn. The CTO approached me on LinkedIn, actually. They approached you? Awesome. Yes. What do you think made them find your profile? I think my profile is pretty good. It has a lot of information and uh, the right tags. I think this is really important. You got to structure your LinkedIn really, really well. I think you guys did some live stream, you know, helping people structure the We've got a few. Danny Thompson has been on our YouTube channel, as well as a few seasoned recruiters and they show us actually on the live stream what they see as recruiters because the interface we use as job searchers is very different and by seeing it from their perspective you get to see a little bit how to optimize it but you can't optimize something bad right you can't uh, polish a turd basically you have to have a good full profile and looking at yours I think you take a lot of the right boxes it's no wonder you got discovered what did the CTO write to you saying? Were they like, Matthias, I like your profile so much. Do you want a job? Click here. Or did they maybe want to uh, have an interview or something? Let me open the message. I want to I wanna know exactly what they said. I think it was not this kind of pre-made message, you know, it was really, really personal. All right, I found it. The CTO approached me and he said, there is a job opening, a front-end job opening to work in a startup. And he wanted to, you know, just schedule a call to get to know me because he thought that my profile was exactly what they were looking for. I mean, I've never worked in a huge company, just startups. And uh, I think they had this, okay, this guy's always been working on startups. We are a startup, so that's a match. I think the way they work, the workflow is different from a huge company. I gotta be kind of generalist, you know, I've worked with QA, with Cypress, I've got my feet on design as well in front end. So I think they found that really interesting for a startup to be able to work in different areas. The way these things typically work is that the first call you have with a company, you're really just exploring if it's a good fit. Maybe they'll ask you a few questions about your experience and your interests, and you'll ask a bit more about what the role entails. If you want to go ahead, then maybe they'll schedule a technical interview or something like that. Can you quickly run us through the interview process of this company and what the challenge as well. It was actually a really cool interview because it didn't feel like an interview at all. It felt like a chat, just like we're doing here. So my first interview was actually in, not reverse, but first I talked to the CTO and then I talked to the HR, you know? Yeah, that does sound like it's in reverse because normally you speak to a recruiter and then you speak to an executive at the end of the process. 
Yes. It was kind of interesting. But he said to me that the HR was really occupied with interviewing people and uh, he wanted to get to know a few candidates as well. So we did the technical part and uh, get to know part on the very first interview. And uh, he explained to me about the company, how they work, and that it is a very small team of developers. And uh, they're kind of revolutionizing education in Brazil. And that really touched me because my family, we have a lot of teachers in my family. And I, I thought that would be kind of cool to work with education and, uh, you know, still get this part of family together again. What kind of technical skills were they specifically looking for from a junior company? What do you think impressed them about the knowledge you had? Like any skills in particular? Yes, some design skills to be able to create design. And uh, I think they were really impressed with Redux skills. They were expecting this for junior. Oh, so you bought them something a little bit above and beyond. I mean, yeah, I yeah. wouldn't expect any junior dev. To be honest, you don't have to know about things like TypeScript or Redux for that matter. You don't really have to know about any adjacent libraries. You don't have to be learning all the newest trends trendy tech. You just need strong fundamentals. That's the table stakes, right? But if you can bring a little something extra to the table, that could be really interesting to them. What do you think it said about you as a candidate that you'd learned about Redux at this junior level? That's a great question. I think they were impressed with my, uh, not my knowledge, but my interest. You know, I was looking for things beyond the expected. I was applying this knowledge to my personal projects. And uh, I think, yeah, that's a good one. Projects. If you were looking for a job, you got to have a GitHub full of things, full of projects. It's interesting because when you interview at a company, you're not just being interviewed on your technical ability. Another big part is like your sort of values, right? And how you communicate and collaborate, what you're like working with other people. That's also really important. But what it sounds like is that one thing that really helped you and meant that it was a great fit is that you had this mission alignment as well, because clearly you could convince them by telling stories about your family, being teachers and so on, that this is a mission that's personal to you. I'm just wondering, so take those three things like technology, communication skills and mission fits. What percentage would you assign to their importance? I think the mission was pretty, pretty high because they are a startup and they are, you know, just starting <laughs> and they were looking for people to grow with them. So I think they were really looking for people there wouldn't be like I get this job then uh, another opportunity you know came up knocking on my door and I'm gonna leave this job to get the other one so I think they're really looking for uh, an alignment on mission and values I think it's the highest one and then coding and communication half and a half brilliant that makes a lot of sense and I like your point that for a startup especially they want someone who buys into the mission and who isn't going to leave at the first sign of trouble necessarily <laughs> you know there's a lot lot of trouble on a startup. In this economy, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> oh, wicked. So you had a few interview phases with technical questions and with HR. Tell us a little bit about how they wrapped up the interview process and how were you feeling at the time? Right after the interview, I felt, you know, great. It was kind of cathartic. 
I was sure it was a great interview. We scheduled to be, you know, 30 minutes, half an hour, and we stayed there for one hour, one hour and a half, just talking to each other. I'll just jump in and say, because it's such a big takeaway, that's the best sign in any interview when you go over time. I feel like every interviewer schedules like 45 minutes, but they normally have an hour. They just need that escape hatch if the conversation isn't going well. But if they can keep going for a bit longer, it means they're really enjoying talking to you, I think, and vice versa. Yeah, and I felt amazing. The next day, the HR just emailed me. I think there was a kind of bureaucracy because the CTO was already asking me my personal information. So it was just to get to know the team, the HR team, some of the cultural values of the, the company, how they pay, you know. And uh, it was about five days. Yeah, five days. I got an email with the... How do you say it is not proposed? I, I, I forgot how to say it. Not a contract, but... An offer letter. Yes, yeah, that's it. After five days, just five days. I like how you know words like uh, cathartic, but then you struggle with the word offer letter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's how my brain works. Cathartic is much more, it's a cool word. Nice, man. Very cool. And yeah, I guess you, you were pretty thrilled to get the offer and you started soon after. I literally thought jumping. I was super happy. It was really, really fast. I studied about just, you know, one year and I got this full-time job. It is amazing. That is amazing. And the quick turnaround there shows that they were super excited about working with you as well. Now you're on the job. What does a typical day as a software developer look like for you? I wake up around 7 a.m. and start working 8 a.m. We use Discord for communication. So I get into Discord. The team is already there. We start talking and just like we were in an office, you know, it's really cool. People really young about my age. I, I am 23. I think the oldest person in my team is 26. Was it interesting to you that the team's like mean age is quite young? Because on one hand, that, that sounds like a lot of fun, to be honest. And maybe it's like a young, really enthusiastic crowd. Everyone's open-minded. They don't have strong opinions formed over decades and I can also imagine it's quite a flat strike. I can see lots of great reasons to do it, don't get me wrong. But then I suppose if you're looking for growth opportunities, there is of course benefit to learning from people who have been doing this for a decade or more. Yeah. Was that something that came to mind at all when evaluating this offer? Absolutely. You said just right. We've got a lack of seniors in our team. So we're basically on our own, you know, just researching together it feels like i am in college you know with my friends and we're trying to figure out the best way to do something it is kind of hard but i think we learn a lot by doing this you know researching skills and speaking other languages really help there's much more content in english than there is in portuguese I think the lack of seniors in our team is a problem sometimes, but we try to solve this problem by hiring some consultants, some senior from other company to help us when the challenge is super big and we don't know what to do at all. Kind of a related question, but what are your career goals then in the future? I'm really into front-end development and I want to be a great front-end development. And of course, I want to work abroad. You know, I really want to live in another country. I've always been here in Brazil, in Belo Horizonte. So yeah, that's my biggest goal for now. That's one of the best things about coding, man. Like it can take you all around the world. It's such a versatile and in-demand job. 
There's loads of opportunities. I recently found out that there is a way to work as a front-end development on the game industry, and that got me excited, you know? I'm really into gaming and uh, interfaces and art, so I think there's a great area to work with. Yeah, man, there's so many like adjacent fields, isn't there? Like, yeah, there's coding, but you can code in the sports industry or the fashion industry or the game industry. You can code for social impact. You can code for enterprises. I just love that kind of versatility, and I'm so happy you've well and truly got your foot in the door. Matthias, just to finish up really, I was hoping I could get the advice that you kind of wish you had when you were a learner developer and starting out. You know, for anybody listening today, what advice can you offer them? I think the word I'm looking for is patience. You know, I wanted to do everything at once, you know, study and study more and get a job. So things take time. And uh, if you study, if you do projects, if you connect with the community, things are going to happen. So just be patient and do your thing. Just because it is taking time, it doesn't mean it's not happening. Mateus, thank you so much for joining me on the Scrimmer podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a really, really pleasure to be here. It's the first time I do something like this and I was pretty nervous, but yeah, it was really good talking to you. That's it for this episode of the Scrimba podcast. Check out the show notes for all the resources mentioned, but also for the ways to connect with Mateus, as well as some other resources about how to make your LinkedIn profile awesome. What do tech layoffs mean for new developers is one of the topics we will cover next week when we're talking to Lane Wagner. There's so much going on. I think whenever something like this happens, where there's, you know, a big round of layoffs, or even more recently with, you know, AI, fear kind of kicks in first, right? Like what's happening to developer jobs, especially junior developer jobs. I think the first thing to do whenever, you know, something like this happens, because it's happened a lot in the past, right? Layoffs are not a new thing to tech, is to just pause and, you know, try to figure out from a high level what's going on and and try to think about kind of the long-term ramifications, right? Companies do layoffs all the time, but especially when you're starting your career, the most important question is what's the long-term outlook for this kind of set of skills that I'm learning at the moment. Lane Wagner is a senior backend developer who founded Boot.dev and he'll be on the show next Tuesday. If you made it this far, please consider subscribing to the podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're tweeting about it, make sure to mention Alex. You will find his Twitter handle also in the show notes. I've been Jan, the producer, and we'll see you next week.